Good morning, everyone.、Um, it's a beautiful day outside, and so I'm looking forward to going for a walk later.、Um, it's nice when the weather is nice that we can go outside because most of this week I was inside because it was raining. And the one day I tried to venture outside, I got rained on and、I、had to come right back in. So it's going to be nice to be able to go outside today. Lockdown is nearly over. The end is in sight,、um, and it's transition time. You know, not only、um, are the children going back to school, the teachers are going back to school. We want to thank all the teachers out there for your hard work during this time. I know many of you did overtime trying to do on-site learning as well as remote learning. So thank you for all your hard work. Roy and I have a new deep appreciation for teachers. It's hard. Work、um, and and we don't know how you have the patience for it, but God bless you all. During this transition time, you know, it, it, during the children's、uh, Sabbath school this morning, the children were talking about how there's going to be new rules at their schools about where they're getting dropped off,、um, and you know where where they're allowed to play and who they're allowed to interact with, and you know they're having to adjust. And I know Micah's feeling nervous about going back and seeing people again. And you know Micah's a complete extrovert since he was born; he loved being around people. But it goes to show you how long it's been. You know, after six months, he's kind of nervous. About seeing people again,、um, and it's not just the children. I think a lot of adults are also feeling a bit of social anxiety during this time. You know, it's been so long since we've interacted with people, and so we have to readjust to seeing people face to face. And we also have to transition to wearing work pants again. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been very comfortable in my sweatpants and and、uh, yoga pants and you know comfortable pants.、Um, And I don't know about you, but I've definitely gained the the lockdown weight, and so I don't, I can't fit it back into my work clothes from six months ago. So there's a bit of workout I need to do between now and when I venture outside、um, in my work clothes again. You know, it's so much out of our control during this time. Many of us.、Um, You know, not only because of the sedentary lifestyle we've had, but also because of the anxiety and the uncertainty and just all the stress happening. Many of us have turned to that extra snack during the day or the late night snacking, as is the case with me,、um, and that every little bit counts and it adds up. And so today, I think, is a really apt time to talk about self-control. Self-control is not only the ability to control your emotions and your actions; it's also the discipline of delaying or denying gratification for a greater cause. Scientists and psychologists and doctors have been searching for the secret to self-control for years, right? Because think about it: if we could only teach people how to exercise self-control, we would save billions of lives.、Um, because so many billions of people die from smoke, you know, because of smoking and drinking and drugs and obesity and the diseases、uh, that result from that. If only we could exercise self-control, we could, you know, cure the world from the addictions to pornography and gambling and screen time, workaholism and shopping, and you know, lead to healthier minds, bodies, and relationships. But the truth is, self-control is very difficult to exercise. It's difficult to consistently say no to temptation and to rein in our impulses. But the good news is that with God, all things are possible. And as we follow the Spirit, He will bring about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So let's look once more at Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two to twenty-five. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Bible says that self-control comes from Spirit-led living. That when we crucify the flesh with our passions and desires, and we follow in step with the Spirit, that we can bear all these different fruits. But what does that mean to crucify our flesh, right? What does that mean to die to self? When Jesus was here on earth, he taught the disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Notice the word daily. Jesus says every day you have to make that choice to deny yourself and follow me. And he knows that that process is difficult. So he likens it to a death, right? He, he uses the metaphor of carrying the cross because he knows that sometimes it's very painful for us to make that decision. But today I want to share seven tools that will help us in making the right choices. First, to make the right choice, we have to have the right reason. There's a lifestyle and wellness app called Noom. Um, and one of the first things that it asks you to do is establish the ultimate why. It asks, why do you want to lose weight? And then what's the reason behind that reason? And they say, find the ultimate why. And that ultimate why should excite and inspire you. So, for example, why do you go to work every day? Well, many people will say, it's so that I can have a paycheck, so I can pay my bills. Well, what's the reason behind that, right? Why do, why do, you, why do you need that paycheck? Well, it's so that we can have security, so that we can have, you know, um, we can continue living where we live and continue to be able to function in society. Uh, perhaps it's to establish our career. Or perhaps there's a bit deeper meaning too, so that we can have meaningful lives where we can use our skills to contribute to the world. What's the ultimate reason for you to go to work? Or what's the reason you stay faithful to your spouse? Is it because you vowed on your wedding day to be faithful until death do you part? Is it because you love your spouse? Is it because you're afraid of the repercussions? You have to get down to the ultimate why. Is it because you want to experience that eternal love where you are um, able to share yourself to someone and um, know that that person's heart is a sanctuary for you? Why do we invest so much time, money, and energy into our children? Is it because they're our retirement plan? Is it because we care for them? Roy's nodding his head, yes. Is it because we care for their present and future well-being? Is it because God has called us to be stewards? He's, he's gifted us these children and said, take care of them for me, they're my children. When it comes to spiritual discipline and self-control, we find the answer to the ultimate why um, in many Bible verses, but here's just a few. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God uh, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Our ultimate why, our big picture, is this reunion with Jesus. And of course, this reunion comes because of the suffering, right? After the death comes the resurrection. And the daily sacrifice, the daily death of carrying the cross, 
um, and, and foregoing the instant gratification is leading us to eternal life and eternal happiness and satisfaction. And it's this big picture that motivates us to get, ex- to get excited and to be inspired um, when we're making those difficult choices. It's a bit like this lockdown, right? We, we feel like we're carrying the cross in the sense that every day we have to make sacrifices. Every day, um, you know, there are things we cannot do. Um, every day we're separated from our loved ones. You know, I've been talking to my sister every day during this time, almost every day, I should say. Um, and without fail, we always talk about, oh, I can't wait to see you face to face, right? And we, we, we look forward to that reunion. We know that there is this delay now, but hopefully at the end of this time, we will be able to see each other. And so we don't know when Jesus is going to come again, but we can look forward to the second coming. We can look forward to that reunion because of our love for Jesus and because of his love for us that, it, that inspires us and excites us and that helps us to endure this lockdown of, of sorts, of this limit of our freedom um, and, the, and the self-control and the denial of instant gratification because through this process, we get to uh, see him again. And I love how um, Paul, the first century missionary and theologian, um, I, lo- I love how he describes what motivates him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, he says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That phrase, Christ's love compels us. And the English Standard Version says, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. What controls you? You know, we talk about self-control. But what does it mean to be led by the Spirit, to have Christ's love control us and compel us and motivate us? When we better understand Jesus' love for us, it's going to motivate us to make better choices. When we realize how much he's given up so that we can have a second chance, how can we waste that second chance? We see Paul enduring multiple stonings and whippings and floggings and imprisonments and shipwreck to continue to do ministry without giving up because Christ's love compelled him. And I like how he uses this metaphor. He uses another metaphor of an Olympic athlete to describe the importance of daily discipline in the Christian life. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, recently I've been watching a lot of past Olympic highlights um, just, you know, as something to inspire me because these human beings, I look at them and I'm like, how can you... First of all, I can't even skate on the ice that gracefully. But then they kind of just propel themselves upwards and do a triple flip or a, a triple toe loop or sometimes a quadruple toe loop and then land on one foot and continue gliding. And they do that like multiple times in that five to seven minutes. It's amazing. And I, and I watch them and I think to myself, 
the amount of years they have had to train for this, right? And and sometimes they show you what what their lives are like. They wake up at four a.m. They go to the rink. They practice. They exercise. They they eat healthy. You know they don't get to see anybody because they spend hours and hours for this one thing, because of that one prize of the you know Olympic medal, right? For that one moment in time that could last five ten minutes maximum. They are pouring so much time, energy, resources, and effort. Imagine, Paul says, hey, because the Olympic um, Games in Greece were around, you know, for centuries already by the time Paul is witnessing them. And he says, hey, you see the Olympic athlete who's running to get the prize? He knows what kind of strict discipline they've had to go through. He knows how hard they're working. He says they're not beating the air endlessly. They're not wandering around. They know where they're headed and they are going for it. And so he says in the same way, run, run with endurance, run with patience, run with perseverance and consistency and self-control towards the prize for which God has called us. If we have our ultimate why, that big picture it will motivate us to make better choices. You know, if you can picture what will life look like if I achieve my goal and keep that in the forefront of your minds, it will help you when you're making your choices. The second tool for self-control is consistent prayer because let's face it, self-control doesn't work all the time. And in fact, most of the times we fail. We need divine supernatural strength and help to get us uh, to, to help us to make the right choices. Jesus himself, when he was on earth, prayed and he was perfect and sinless and yet he needed to pray to find strength and to resist temptation knowing he was about about to be betrayed um, arrested and crucified jesus prayed in the garden of gethsemane and it's such a powerful scene and i invite you later to to read through the chapters and imagine jesus right this perfect sinless human being who is god suffering sweating drops of blood praying in the garden asking God if he can spare him from this moment. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 to 41. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He had to repeat this three times. Each time he would go and pray and come back and they would fall asleep again. And I understand how they feel, right? My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And Jesus says, watch and pray. And it's not just about praying in the moment of temptation, right? You know, sending out an SOS, we can all do that. But Jesus uh, Jesus and the Bible says, pray, watch and pray, right? Pray before temptation hits. Pray when things are going well. Pray before the crisis so that you will have the strength and the faith to withstand temptation. Corey Ten Boom, who was um, uh, a Dutch woman, her whole family helped hide um, over 800 Jews during World War II, during the Holocaust. And she herself was imprisoned and her family. um, And she wrote this powerful book called The, The Hiding Place. And in it, there's this powerful question is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? You know, do we pray as a last resort or are we letting God have control 
Are we living spirit-led lives where we are constantly through prayer, giving God that control and saying, God, you help me with my day. You tell me what, what I should prioritize today. Help me to fight the temptations today. Giving God control, giving him the steering wheel rather than just asking him for the spare tire when we're in trouble. Here's another quote by Ellen White. It is only through Christ that Satan's power is limited. The prayer of faith is the great strength of the Christian and will assuredly prevail against Satan. This is why he insinuates that we have no need of prayer. The name of Jesus, our advocate, he detests. And when we earnestly come to him for help, Satan's host is alarmed. It serves his purpose well if we neglect the exercise of prayer, for then his lying wonders are more readily received. And so... When we consistently pray, not only when crisis hits, but every day, throughout the day, right? We're, we're, we're connecting to him and listening to his voice. Then, and then we'll be able to make better choices as his voice um, is stronger in our mind than the many voices that surround us. And this is why, coupled with prayer, another really great tool for self-control is fasting. Because fasting allows you to quiet those other voices, Fasting allows you to focus on that one voice. Once when Jesus was away, his disciples tried to help a young boy who was demon-possessed, but they could not heal him. And when Jesus comes, the father explains the situation, and the father says, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but praying and fasting. Fasting is voluntarily abstaining from something for a limited amount of time. Whether it's a day or a week or a month or, or longer. Some people fast from food, others from certain kinds of food, technology or a habit. You know, this lockdown has been a kind of a involuntary fast, social fast. Spiritual fasting involves voluntarily abstaining from something for a time in order to replace that time and energy and, and space that you would you know, normally dedicate to food or whatever it is and, and replacing it with time in prayer. Fasting intensifies what we're praying for because we're showing that what we're praying about is so important that we're willing to set aside something to focus on it and quiet the other voices to really listen to God. The discomfort that we feel in fasting reminds us that fullness isn't always good and emptiness isn't always bad. It helps us to take a break from consumer culture. Lynn Babb wrote, More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. It helps us to listen, right? So that we can really ask God, God, what is it that drives me? What is it that motivates me? And it helps us to be open to his voice, open to obeying his will. Fasting flexes our spiritual willpower and strengthens it so that we become stronger at saying no. We become stronger with self-denial and then we become more able to follow God wherever he leads us. 
Jesus himself fasted in the desert for 40 days. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 to 4, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus answered each temptation with the words, It is written. You know, knowing God's word will help us to know the difference between right and wrong, and it will remind us of the truth, that the truth sets us free from the trappings of lies. Because there's so many lies that are in our heads, right? The lies that say, oh, this is not that big a deal. It's going to be fine, right? Just one more won't hurt you. What difference does it make? Nobody will know, right? All those lies that come to our heads. But when we have the truth, the word of God that talks about, yeah, actually those things do matter. And, and, but it's okay, God is going to help us through. The truth will set us free. So knowing the truth and, and having that truth in our heads will enable us to distinguish between the truth and the lie and to make better choices. And so not just knowing, but memorizing scripture is a really good tool to help us to resist temptation. You know, your brain is listening. Your, your, your limbic system in your brain is listening to every word that you say and you think. And so to change your thought pattern, the truth has to be louder and clearer in your head than any other lie. So a really good way is to memorize scripture. Remember when we used to use flashcards um, to memorize things back in school? I don't know about you, but, you know, those index cards. Um, well, nowadays we have apps that can help us. And so this is my favorite um, scripture memory app. It does cost you $8 a year for subscription, but that's that's a pretty good price. That's totally worth it uh, because there are free free apps as well that help you memorize. But I like this one because there's games on it that you can play to help you memorize. Um, and uh, it really helps me. So whatever app or, or maybe you use index cards, whatever you use, I want to encourage you to, um, to start doing memory verses. And at the end, I'm going to um, invite you to, to join me in, in one for the future. But, you know, it's so helpful to do this together. You know, if I, if I, I have been doing this for years, but the truth is when I do it by myself, I'm not as, um, I'm not as uh, self-controlled because, you know, having my own deadline, I can keep procrastinating. But when you have someone else doing it with you through a certain time, it keeps you accountable. I remember when Roy and I were dating, we're such a nerdy pastor couple, right? So when we were dating on our dates, like we used to memorize Bible verses together. Um, that's how we used to do. But um, yeah, it's something that um, when you have community, it really helps. And so the fifth tool for self-control uh, for increasing your self-control is to really have a good spiritual community. Belonging to a community where you're loved and accepted for who you are provides you that safe place um, where you can share your struggles and, you know, with one or two people that you feel most comfortable with and you can have that partnership in praying for each other. My prayer partners have helped me more than more times than I can count. And so I want to encourage you to find a prayer partner um, and pray together regularly. And if you don't have one, please let Roy or myself know, and we'll be happy to get you one. Another crucial factor um, in our ability to practice self-control is rest. It's really hard to resist temptation when you're tired or overwhelmed. I know that when I'm tired, I get grumpy. And when I'm grumpy, I crave sugar. And then when I eat sugar, I'm like, oh, I have digested now, so I stay up longer. And then I'm tired. And it's this vicious cycle that just repeats over and over again. We need physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual rest in order for us to make good choices. 
a team of researchers in 2015 published their findings that uh, where they did brain scans of people who were sleep deprived. And it showed that because they're sleep deprived, um, as they're scanning their brains, as they're making them do different exercises, they saw that their prefrontal cortex, where you make, that's the rational part of your brain that makes, you know, decisions, that there was like less activity there for the people who are sleep deprived versus those who are, who are getting normal amounts of sleep. Um, in other words, people who are sleep deprived make impulsive and risky choices. And we know that. We know this, right? But science confirms what we already know, which is that before you make a decision, just sleep on it, right? Getting good rest helps us to make better choices. But it's not just about the daily physical sleep. Um, the Bible talks about this Sabbath day rest, right? One day out of the seven days to take a break from business, take a break from the work, take a break from the studies, take a break from the consumerist lifestyle of buying and selling and rest in knowing that God provides. Rest in knowing that God provides not only for our salvation, but for our physical needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs. Um, one of the writers um about the Sabbath, Marva J. Don wrote, a great benefit of Sabbath keeping is that we learn to let God take care of us, not by becoming passive and lazy, but in the freedom of giving up our feeble attempts to be God in our own lives. So if we want to learn how to be better at, at letting the Spirit lead us so that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit, the Sabbath and experiencing that Sabbath rest is a great way to learn to let go and to let God lead us so that we can make better choices and that we can have better self-control in the long run. And finding number seven, um, there's many more ways, but number seven for today is spiritual music. You know, music has an incredible power to help us. Um, in Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 to 20, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, music can really help change your mood, and the lyrics can help re you remember things that you might not remember just by memorizing. Um, the Children's Ministry of the South Pacific Division of the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been putting together these great Sabbath school lessons every week for the children. And um, one of the, they have unique and original songs. And one of the songs has been stuck in the boys' heads and my head, and now I gift it to you. <laughs> and so, you ready for this? Hold on. Drink some water. I would love to play the video for you, but that would infringe the copyright, so... This is, this is my attempt to sing you, sing it for you. This is how much I care for you all. Okay. It goes like this. What you gonna do when somebody asks you to do the wrong thing? What you gonna say? What you gonna do when somebody asks you over and over and over again? Say no, no, I'm not gonna do it. Say no, no, I'm not gonna do it. Say no. No, I'm not going to do it. Please don't ask me again. So don't ask me to sing that again. But that's how the song goes. <laughs> and I see the boys regularly throughout the day going, No, no, 
I'm not gonna do it. And you know, then right now they're just singing because it's a catchy tune. But I hope, you know, that in the moment of temptation that sometimes I've heard Joshua say, no, no, I'm not gonna do it. And, and, th- and that power of music is there to help us in those moments of temptation, right? Burst forth in song or listen to a song that can power you through that moment. Um, there's lots of wonderful songs. There's a song called Chain Breaker by Zach Williams where the lyrics say, if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. And if you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Or there's the hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour by Fernando Ortega, which is a beautiful song. So find a song that can power you through that moment of temptation that can help you just hit that pause button, right? Before you make that decision and follow that impulse, just listen to that song. And it will hopefully help you to remember that um, there is that bigger picture, right? That, that there is that prize awaiting us, that, that Christ's love is there to guide us to make better decisions. And so... There are many other tips and tools for increasing your self-control, like healthy eating, exercise, etc. But the important thing is to start with just one or two changes, right? Whether it's finding your ultimate why, whether it's setting reminders on your phone to pray regularly, fasting from something for a time, doing scripture memory, finding a prayer partner, experiencing Sabbath rest, or finding your power song, right? Whatever it is, just start with one or two. For myself... I've decided for the next 30 days that I'm going to fast from my late night snacking because that's something that I really struggle with. And so you can help me keep me accountable. For the next 30 days, I will not do late night snacking. After 8 p.m., no more food. I'm also going to memorize one Bible verse a week for the next four weeks. So um, I'm going to pick Bible verses that that relate to my personal struggle with the late night snacking, um, but also some other verses. And so I want to invite you to join me. Um, you can choose what you want to fast from and you can choose your own Bible verses or you can choose to do mine. It's up to you. I can give you a bunch that you can choose from. But if you want to join me for the next 30 days um, to memorize one Bible verse a week and to fast from something, um, just message me now. Um, For those of you who have my phone number, just message me, WhatsApp me, Facebook message me. For those of you watching online, um, just uh, look for us on Facebook, Melbourne City Adventist Church, and message us through that. And once I I have uh, your messages, I'll send you more information of of how we're going to do this and, and how we can help each other, keep each other accountable. And I really look forward to journeying together um, towards spirit-led living where we allow Jesus to, to bring the fruit of the spirit in our lives, to bring love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. It's been really, um, really good journeying through these nine fruit of the spirit with you um, and learning how we can be Christians who bear these traits in our lives. And as a result, I pray that the world can see the character of Jesus through us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that with, with you all things are possible. And Father, we all have things that we'd like to change in our lives. And change is difficult. And it's so hard to motivate ourselves and to be consistent and to follow through. But Father, we believe that you have given us many tools to help us to resist temptation and to make the right choices. So help us this week and in the weeks to come to make the right decisions. Help us to implement the things we talked about today. Um, And Father, through your Holy Spirit, may we become fruit-bearing Christians. May the world see that you are good through us. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.